Amen. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to 1 Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter 1. We're in our Timeless Testament series going through the major stories of Scripture, uh, looking at how we can rediscover God and exalt Jesus Christ, even through the stories that maybe we know so well. Today we're looking at the story of Hannah. Hannah. And I'm going to title this message, Laboring in Prayer. Laboring in Prayer. Uh, The question for today is, are we hungry for something this life cannot fill? Are we hungry for something more? Even in our, maybe whether we know God or have experienced God, or maybe we've been to church and we've gone through that, that season of finding out what religion and Christianity is like. But I'm praying that we would get to this place where we say, God, I'm longing for something so real, so genuine, so authentic, and I'm not going to stop until I receive it. Uh, and in this life, we're going to find things that are out of our control. We're going to find and come across things that are uh, maybe deep wounds in our life that might go through grief or distress, uh, even oppression. And that sometimes we can cry out to God uh, in prayer and we can uh, get to those places where we're like, man, uh, I've got to have something from the Lord that nothing else is satisfying me, that life is overwhelming, life is overtaking sometimes, and I'm just giving my all to God. And sometimes... Uh, we're asking God to answer us in prayer, and sometimes we may not feel like He answers. Uh, in Scripture, uh, we can look and find a, a few things of what's the key to answered prayer, or maybe why don't we feel God answers. Sometimes Scripture says it's because we have unconfessed sin. Uh, sometimes it may be unforgiveness. Sometimes it may be disobedience or pride, Scripture would say. Uh, or on the other side, Scripture says sometimes we ask with the wrong motive. Sometimes we can ask prayer in doubting. Uh, or it could just be not His will. But what sometimes God is teaching us is to have faith and trust in Him, uh, to persevere in prayer, to labor in prayer, to seek the Lord in prayer, not just praying uh, with wrong motives, not praying with doubts, not praying uh, with the wrong ideas or praying with sin in my heart, but spending time in prayer that sometimes the best thing that happens is prayer is not that God answers us, but that God fixes us. Or that we begin to align ourselves with His will and find out what He wants for our life. That His will is always good and pleasing and perfect. Amen? And so we're going to talk about fervent prayer today through the story of Hannah. And that's this passionate pursuit of the purpose of God. Somebody look to your neighbor and say, let's pursue the purpose of God. Oh, that's weak. Let's pursue the purpose of God today in our lives, all right? We're going to talk about a passionate pursuit of the purpose of God in prayer. I'm going to throw some more P's out there, all right? But let's passionately pursue the purpose of God in prayer. In 1 Samuel chapter 1 is this story of Hannah, and it teaches us simply this. If we think we are something without God, we will quickly be nothing. But if we are nothing, He will make us into something. He's looking for people who are passionately pursuing Him. Amen? Amen? Uh, Let's look at this chapter, 1 Samuel 1, verse 4. I'm going to talk about a lady uh, who kind of had this bad heart uh, and a bitter soul because of life issues. So there was this guy, and his name was Elkanah. All right. And he was a Levite from Ephraim and his ancestors go all the way back to the music, uh, the musicians in the temple. Uh, And he had two wives. One was Hannah uh, and the other was uh, Peniah. 
And however, Hannah has no children. And each year he leads his family to worship the God of the tabernacle in Shiloh. And that's where we are in 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 4. Uh, and when the day came, the Elkanah sacrificed, he would give portions to uh, Penina, uh, Penina, his wife, and her sons and her daughters. But to Hannah he would give a double portion, for he loved Hannah. But the Lord had closed her womb, and her rival, however, would provoke her bitterly to irritate her. But because the, Lord had clo- because the Lord had closed her womb, and it happened year after year, as often as she went up to the house of the Lord, that she would provoke her. So Hannah, she wept, and she would not eat. Then Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Hannah, why do you weep, and why do you not eat? Why is your heart sad? Am I not better to you than ten sons? Then Hannah rose after eating and drinking in Shiloh. Okay. So here's this woman, and she finds that she has no purpose. She goes, she's in a religious family, and, and she's married a religious guy, and they go to church uh, as they're supposed to, the, temp, uh, the temple or the tabernacle in Shiloh, every year for this festival. And so she's in a religious home. Uh, but, you know, in this day, the judges and people kind of do whatever they want to do, and they're as right as in their own eyes, and there's no king, and there's no uh, Moses figure or Joshua figure to lead people. And so this guy... He's married to Hannah, but Hannah can't produce children, and that's a big deal in ancient society, that through the line of uh, the first male, the promised land, the way that we would transfer the covenant of God, the relationship of God, would be transferred to that, that first male heir, and he would own the land after his father, and that land is the land that God gave us. That's the purpose of being an Israelite. It's the purpose that God had given us through Moses, and so this is a big deal. So she feels like she can't provide the purpose for her family. She can't fulfill her husband and his desire, and so she's got no honor. She feels dishonored, and so her husband goes, uh, maybe with her permission, I don't know, and marries another woman, and she produces children. And so she's got this issue in her life. One, the Bible says the two shall become one. They should be married and it should be a husband and a wife. So she's got this issue. Uh, That would just be a complicated life anyway. You'd feel lesser because you couldn't fulfill your duties as a mom, as a as a wife. And so your 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 relationship with your husband and this other person in your life is already messed up. So we know that men sin complicates things. And so she's got that going on. And now she can't produce children. And it's been many years or several years, and she's not been able to do that. So she's got no peace at home because she feels like she has no purpose, that her God-given purpose is not fulfilled. And so not only that, but she's got no worship. She goes to this religious ceremony every year, and as they would go up to this place in Shiloh before the temple and the tabernacle was moved to Jerusalem, she goes up to this place, uh, and as you would offer the sacrifice to the priest... Uh, at this festival, he, they would give you a piece of that sacrifice back, and so this lamb or this cow or whatever, and you'd go home and you'd have a nice juicy steak. You'd have a piece of that offering, and your family would eat symbolically before the Lord as an offering. We, God, we gave you our very best. You would go burn the fat, and pieces of that would go to the priest, and then some of it would go back to you, and while you're in Shiloh, you would eat together as a family as if you were eating with God, and it would be this communion with God and that you would enjoy worshiping of the sacrifice together. So what you would do is this husband would give it to his wives, and he would give a portion to their children. 
So here's this other wife sitting across the table, and her husband comes. He gives the wife a portion, the kids a portion, all of her children a portion. And here's Hannah over here, and she's got no one sitting next to her. And she's got no one to eat with her. And she's got no one. This other wife gets this big plate of meat. How many people like lamb chops? This this wife gets this big plate of meat. And then Hannah gets this over here. And so every year it's a reminder. Every time she comes to worship the Lord, it's a reminder. You're not good enough. Somebody else is is better than you. It's a reminder that that there's no peace with God. And, And she begins to get angry with God. She begins to weep. And it says that she can't even eat. She can't even worship God. I don't know if you've ever been in a place in your life where there's been so much going wrong that you can't even pray. How many of you know what I'm talking about today? There's so much going wrong, you can't even worship. It's like to come into a place of like this today and raise your hands and sing is like to fake it. Because you know that there's so much in your life that's not right. And, and you know that you're not happy. You know maybe that you're not where you want to be. Or you know that things in your life are just not good. And so Hannah's at that place. She can't raise her hands in worship. She can't enjoy this wonderful meal. And every year, it's just a reminder. Every time I go to church, it's that God didn't help me. God didn't bless me. God's not with me. God's not for me. And her husband comes to her. So she's got no purpose. She's got no worship. And he asks her, he says, why are you downhearted? Or literally, why are you coming to God's house with a bad heart? Why is your heart not in a good place? And he says, don't you know I, I love you? Don't you know that I'm for you? And he says, well, here, let me give you some extra meat. Husbands, isn't that a great thing? That's not what I'm requiring you to do on Mother's Day or, or any other time. But if it, how many know that you're blessed if you could say, honey, I'm just take you out for a steak tonight. If you've got a wife that loves steak, man, you, and then she loves that. That's, that's a blessing, right? And so he said, I'm going to give you some more steak don't you feel better? I'm going to give you extra peace. She got all this. I'm going to match that for you. I know you don't have children, but I love you. I'm for you. Don't you know that my love's worth 10 sons, and I'm giving you extra meat? Now, is that not a good gift, right? Mm, steak, right? Well, she looks at that, and he, he consoles her, uh, and she's like, fine, I'll eat the steak, right? Uh, she, she gives in, and she's sitting there eating. But you know, if you're just really not in a good mood, even steak don't taste good, right? And so she just couldn't even do it. She eats of it. The Bible says right there that, uh, that she rose after eating and drinking in shallow. At first she couldn't eat, and he tries to comfort her, and he tries to get her to eat it, and she does. But the next day we find that she's back at the place of weeping in the presence of God. There are some things you're going to go through in this life, and maybe someone in this room is going through it right now, is that when words of man don't really encourage you. You can get a little bit of a feel good. You can come to church. You can sing a song and you can feel, okay, I feel a little better today. But when you go right back home, you're back to the loneliness. You're back to the despair. You're back to the problem of life. And it's right there at your face again. And you go right back to where you were because you got a little bit of relief from the problems in your life. But they're always there. And it's just a reminder again. And it's like this cycle. If you've ever been on that cycle before, that it's like life can just stink sometimes. And it's always there to remind me or my past or my failures or maybe that I'm not where I ought to be or the problems that I've had in my life. uh, The the record of my track record is always there. We've done things in our life and maybe you've, you've done things you're not proud of and you go to try to get a job and you're like, I've given my life to the Lord and I'm trying. Then you go to get a job and they're like, hey, let me bring up all the things you used to be. Well, we know we're not who we were once, 
But there's always something that will remind us of that you're not good enough. You're not what you ought to be. You have no purpose in God, and you're not living up to your full potential. You with me this morning? You know what I'm saying? Amen. And so she's got no purpose, she feels, because she's got no peace at home. She's got no worship, she feels, because she's got no worth. And she's got no comfort in the things of man. The things of man can't comfort her because she doesn't know that God cares for her. So maybe today you've been in that place where you've been unable to worship her. Maybe you've found sometimes you don't have comfort in the words or actions of others. It doesn't matter how much stake they buy you. Uh, it, doesn't, it doesn't help you for, for long. Or maybe you've wondered if God cared. And maybe today you're in a relationship in your, your marriage, your home, uh, and you can kind of get by for a little bit, and your spouse can ba- buy you off for a little bit, but you come right back to the thing that is, I'm really actually not happy inside myself. I'm really not actually where I think I need to be with God. And some things cannot be healed by the things of man. And maybe today people have spoken things over you. Maybe people have said things to you that you have always lived with. Maybe you were abused as a child. Maybe there was things done to you as a child. Or maybe it was a, a previous spouse, an, an ex uh, in your life. And there's lifelong pain and hurt you've been living with. And every now and then you'll get better, but then something will happen and it'll trigger it and you'll go right back to where you are. I'm speaking to you today. God wants to let you know something by the end of this message that he cares for you. Amen? Somebody with me? Somebody say amen. 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 Proverbs 18, verse 14 says, The spirit of a man can endure his sickness, but as for a broken spirit, who can bear it? You may can go through little things in this life, but if your spirit is broken, it's unbearable for us to go. But God has a purpose for us. And for Hannah, God was concerned about her purpose. God is concerned about her worship. And he's concerned about her comfort. And same for you today. God wants you to know you have a purpose. He wants you to enter in and worship. He wants your worship to be in a healthy place. And he wants you to know that he is the comforter. And so let's look at verse 9. Hannah became burdened in prayer. And I'm going to read this from verse 9 to 16. It says, Now Eli the priest was sitting by the seat by the doorpost of the temple of God. Now it's not really the temple. It's the tabernacle. uh, But it was an established place in Shiloh. Uh, And she greatly distressed, prayed to the Lord, and wept bitterly. Everybody say bitterly. She was burdened. She was bitter. And she made a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your maidservant. She humbled herself. She became a maidservant. And remember me, and not forget your maidservant, but will give your maidservant a son. And I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life, and a razor shall never come on his head. That's the Nazarite vow, like Samson. Uh, And now it came about as she continued praying before the Lord that Eli, he's the the priest, the high priest, was watching her mouth. And as for Hannah, she was speaking in her heart and only her lips were moving, so her voice was not heard. So Eli thought she was drunk. And then Eli said to her, how long will you make yourself drunk? Put away your wine from you. And there's something about being drunk in church, right? She thought that was crazy. And so Hannah replied, no, my Lord, I'm a woman oppressed in spirit. I'm neither drunk wine nor strong drink, but I've poured out my soul before the Lord. She poured out her soul before the Lord. And she says, do not consider your maidservant as a worthless woman, because that's how she felt. Don't consider me as a worthless woman, for I've spoken unto now of my great concern and provocation. Hannah let her sorrow turn into supplication. She let her bitterness turn into a burden in prayer. And she let uh, her, uh, instead of being bitter, she let that pity turn into prayer, all right? She poured out her soul in prayer 
and wept before the Lord. She gave her all into this pursuit of God as her source. And sometimes we get bitter, we get rivals, there's unforgiveness in our lives, there's things we're going through, and we can allow all those things to begin to separate us further and further from God, like Adam and Eve. We can allow that sin and shame, we can allow all that stuff to let us hide from God. And that's what the devil wants you to do. He wants you to not forgive that person. He wants you to get mad at God. He doesn't want you to find your purpose in the Lord. He doesn't want you to worship God with everything abandoned before Him. He wants you to get all alone. He wants you to get self-centered. He wants you to get isolated in yourself and just mull those things over and over and over. And remember, every time a trigger happens, every time something comes on TV that reminds you, or every time this thing happens in your life, or you get to that place, that you can just go right back to that bitterness, that unforgiveness, that hard-heartedness, that self-centeredness, that inward-looking and woe is me. He wants you to stay there. Why? Because you're separated from God. You've isolated yourself. And it said that literally she had a bad heart and a bitter soul. Nobody would have thought that. She was a religious woman. She was a moral woman. She was a good woman. But inside, things were not right. She, maybe she had animosity towards the second wife. She was uh, judgmental of her. She was uh, jealous of her and all that she had. Even her husband, she wasn't in a right relationship with because she couldn't receive his love because it wasn't enough for where, where she was in her life. Uh, and, and she began to look at God, and she couldn't even worship God and enjoy the presence of God and celebrate the sacrifice of God. So she allowed this pittiness into prayer. She allowed this bitterness into burden. And she gets to a place that she's not even ashamed of her pursuit of God. I wish we could get to that place in America today where we're not ashamed of our pursuit of God to the point that Hannah was praying with such earnestness, such fervor, such laboring in prayer that she began to look as if she was drunk. I mean, uh, in the ancient culture, you would always pray out loud and it was very solemn and it was very uh, religious. And she gets to a place of desperation. She doesn't care about religion anymore. She doesn't care about what people think anymore. Come on, amen? She doesn't care about whatever religious people think. She said, I have got to touch the presence of God. I've got to reach heaven today, and I don't care who cares or who hears. And and if you would kind of think about it, in the tabernacle... There are different levels of entering into the the court of of God. On the outer side, you'd have the court of the Gentiles, the nations. And on the inner, you'd have the court of the women. And then you'd have the court of the men. And then you'd have the inner sanctuary and the Holy of Holies. And so the women only allowed to go so far. But there's a verse there that says that she was near the doorpost. I'd like to think that she was getting as close as she could get to the presence of God. There's a whole courtyard. But Eli sitting on the doorpost, watch at the place where the men would enter in. And she could only, she got as close as she could get without going too far. And she got as close as she could get. And without praying a solemn religious prayer, she fell on her face, weeping, crying, and stumbling, even maybe snotting all over herself, because she's like, God, I need you. If we could get to those, in those bad places of life, if we could just push past all the religiosity and push past all the tradition and say, God, I'm getting on my face. I know, Lord, you are my source. You are my supply. I'm turning my situation into supplication. I'm turning my pity into prayer. I'm turning all this bad stuff in my life to a burden that I will not leave this place, Lord, until you bless me. Sometimes God is waiting for you to make a move so he can answer your prayer. 
Sometimes he's, it, there's things in our life we want to hide behind religion, we want to hide behind hurts, we want to hide behind all this stuff and be so distant and religious and disconnected and stay in our little spiritual funk, right? Can I say that? And, and, but he's saying, just press in, just seek my face. And Psalms 51 verse 17, the sacrifice that he really wanted from Hannah was is this. It says, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite, that's that repentant heart, oh God, you will not despise she humbled herself as a servant as a maidservant of god she got broken before him she didn't care what anybody else thinks and god looked upon her misery we can choose to be bitter our whole lives but what purpose are we seeking hannah was not asking for things selfishly she was not asking for anything outside the will of god we're not talking about asking for things for yourself hannah was asking for god's purpose God designed her for a purpose. God called her to be a purpose, to be the husband of this religious man, to, uh, to be a mom, to be a wife, to uh, bear their children. And, and that we're not really just even talking about bearing children today or even being a mom. For Hannah, it was the purpose of God in her life. She would give this, she vowed to give this boy up for the purpose of God. It really was about the purpose of God. We can look at this and we can see other things in it, but really it's about the purpose of God being birthed in your life. What is the purpose of God for you? And what is the purpose of God for me today? The Bible tells us that you and I were made to be a temple of the Holy Spirit. You were made for the Holy Spirit to be birthed in you, a born-again experience where you become alive and new by the power of the Holy Spirit living in you. That you know, The Bible says, for uh, uh, Paul said, uh, unlike Hannah, we're not supposed to, or like Hannah, we're not supposed to be drunk with wine, but instead be continuously filled with the Holy Spirit. That's the contrasting there. To not be intoxicated and overcome by the things of this world, but be intoxicated and overcome by the presence of the Lord who lives within us. And so even uh, to the degree that uh, the Bible says in James that God is zealous that his spirit would dwell within you. He's zealous. He's uh, zealous. He's even jealous that God would say, I have made my people, the body of Christ, for a purpose that the spirit of Christ would live in them, that the Holy Spirit would empower them, that he would be made alive within them. And so the question for us today, like that early church in day of Pentecost, they got made fun of for looking like they were drunk, just like Hannah. But what did they really have? They had the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit in their life. And if they got beyond the place of religiosity, and for 10 days, those people began to seek the presence of God, and they didn't care what happened after that. They had no agenda. They said, God, we want your purpose, your messianic purpose, your God-given purpose that you called us to in our life. It's just that simple. And we are not going to leave this upper room until we receive everything from you. We don't care what we look like. We don't care what we sound like. We don't care where we're going to go, live or die. God, we will not leave this room until we receive what heaven has for us. That is what God is longing for his American church to have today. He wants you to say, God, I am by faith pressing and I am laboring in prayer for the purpose and power of God in my life. And we can move past all the religion past all the denominationalism, past all the tradition and all the things we've been taught and say, God, I've got your word and this is what your word says and I'm not letting go until, Lord, you bless me. That's what he's always wanted. Amen? So what happens? Are we broken for God's purpose to be birthed in us? So look at verse 17. So she began to believe this priest. 
So Eli, he answers and said to her, he says, go in peace. And may the God of Israel grant your petition that you've asked of him. Remember, she was petitioning right there. She didn't just ask once. She was petitioning over and over. And she said, let your maidservant find favor in your sight. That's grace. So the, Lord, the woman went to, on her way and she ate. Note that. She couldn't eat before, but now she could eat, right? She went away and she ate and her face was no longer sad. Literally, her countenance was uplifted. And they arose early in the morning and worshiped before the Lord their God. And the Lord returned again, or then they returned again to their house in Ramah. And Elkanah had relations with his wife Hannah. And the Lord remembered her. And it came about in due time. Everybody say due time. In due time, after Hannah had conceived, she gave birth to a son. She named him Samuel, saying, Because I have asked him of the Lord. What happened there? Here's Hannah at the doorpost, pressing in as close as she can get, making supplication out of her sadness, and she's uh, let her uh, depression get to a desperation uh, for the presence of God. And the priest there, hearing her, thinking her to be drunk, but she says, no, I'm not drunk, I'm just passionate for the things of God. Uh, He says, well, go in peace. And with this word, this woman now can worship God. The Bible says that she ate when she couldn't eat before. Now she ate her countenance, her spiritual position, uh, what she thought she had no worth before. Now she had felt like she has worth. Get this. She don't know she's going to be pregnant. She hadn't seen no baby yet. She hadn't even been with her husband yet. But because of the word of the Lord, she's changed. That's what the power of, of God's word is. When she believed in faith, what the priest said, she was changed. Think about that for a moment. Here's Eli. Eli is not really a good guy. He's a kind of religious guy. He's kind of good. He's one of those grave figures in Scripture because he does what he's supposed to do, sort of. But at the same time, he's got two really evil sons who are stealing sacrifices, having sex with other women in the temple. Bad thing. And they end up, they're going to lose the Ark of the Covenant later on. Not good guys. And the Lord tells him to rebuke his sons, and he don't. So he's not the greatest character. But here is Hannah at the word of this kind of immoral priest believing it as a word from God, receiving it by faith, and her countenance is changed, and she begins to worship without ever having received the blessing yet. Think about that for a moment. Just dwell on that for a moment. Because here's what you and I have. How can Hannah worship God in faith, have her countenance uplifted, begin to eat with God, having heard from a human, wicked priest... And you and I not worship when we hear from the high priest. We have the word of God. The Bible says in Hebrews that we have a high priest who intercedes for us at the right hand of the Father, making intercession for the saints. And the same word that God would give to Hannah, he would give to us today that my grace is going to be sufficient for you. My strength is made what? Powerful in your weakness. And with the same words that Eli said, go in peace. Guess what Jesus said to the woman who by persistence pressed through the crowd and all the religiosity in the place where religion said, you can't go any further than here. She pressed through the crowd, digging through the things. She had an issue she couldn't get solved on her own. No comfort of men or doctors or anything. She couldn't sit with anyone. She was desperate for a Lord. And so she pressed through the crowd just to touch the hem of his garment. And the Lord, by her faith, she said, he said, go in peace. Your faith has made you whole. The same word that Jesus said to her is the same word that Eli said to Hannah, go in peace. Now think about this today, church. You and I have a high priest 
that when you are in the midst of trouble, Scripture says that Jesus has made peace with God through the blood of His sacrifice for you and for I. He's atoned for our sin. He's given us the Holy Spirit. He's been the sacrificial lamb, the high priest. And He would tell you today, I've got you. I care for you. I love you. I want you. And that how can we go through things in this life and not be like Hannah, who's worshiping God because of the words of a wicked man or a a, a human man. And now we have the words of Jesus Christ that bring life to our souls and to our immortal bodies will bring life from the dead. That we could come into the presence of God. And even if my situation isn't changed, even if my circumstances don't look any better, but when I hear the voice of Jesus Christ is for me and not against me, and I know that I have a high priest that is interceding for me, like me, like Hannah, I can leave this place changed today by the power of God's Word and His love for me. I don't care where you are or what you're going through today. The Bible says Jesus like Eli, is interceding for your case. The question is, are you passionately pursuing the purpose of God? Are we getting near to the doorposts and saying, God, I don't care what I look like, I don't care what I sound like, I don't care what religion has has blocked me away from you, I'm getting to the place where all I know, Lord, is I need your touch. I need your purpose in my life. We have a priest who's interceding. So we can worship God by faith. Jesus would say to his followers in Mark eleven twenty four, All things for whatever you pray and ask, believe that you have received them, and they'll be granted to you. And we come to Christ in that open surrender, when we come with that persistent childlike face, faith, when we get past the crowd, we push past all the religion, we can say, We know we have a God, a high priest that hears our prayers. And he's going to be forced, not against us. We can return from that place and say, God, I'm going to begin to eat like I haven't eaten in a while. God, I'm going to begin to worship like I haven't worshipped in a while. My countenance, my spirit is going to be uplifted because I've been in the presence of the king. Somebody say amen. Amen. The Bible says in due time she bore a son. The Bible also says that if we humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God in due time, he'll lift you up. And in due time, God lifted up Hannah to a place where she had longed to be. And what did she do? Look in verse 24. She gave her best to God. Now it says, When she had weaned him, she took him up with her, a three-year-old bull and one ephah of flour and a jug of wine, and brought him to the house of the Lord in Shiloh. And although the child was young, they slaughtered the bull, and they brought the boy to Eli. And she said, Oh, my Lord, as your soul lives, my Lord, I am the woman who stood here beside you, praying to the Lord for this boy I prayed. And the Lord has given me my petition, which I asked of him. So I've also... Uh, so I have also dedicated him to the Lord. As long as he lives, he is dedicated to the Lord, and he worshiped the Lord there. She promised God to make this boy a Nazarite, where he could drink no wine, touch no unclean thing, and he could never cut his hair. And he'd always be in the house of the Lord. She, she uh, said that in her prayer. She made a promise. There's another word right there, just to don't make promises you can't keep to God. She kept her promise to God. She was faithful because God gave it to her. She would give what her very best to God. She realized that God had only lent me this child. This child was not hers. She, God lent him to her for a season, and she would be giving him back to God. There's a lot of messages right there that we give God our very best. And here's this woman, probably a three-year-old boy. She comes to the temple, the, the tabernacle, 
I cannot imagine, I have a four and a half year old and a one year old, I cannot imagine bringing my three year old child to the house of the Lord and leaving them there and she would only see him once a year for just a few moments. Can you imagine the sacrifice this woman is making? But you know, sometimes we hold on too tightly to our blessings. She knew that in the hands of God, Samuel would have a better life than she could ever provide. That in the hands of God, my house is better off. In the hands of God, my job is better off. In the hands of God, my finances are better off. In the hands of God, my wife, my family, my spouse is better off. That these blessings are only lent to me. The things that I have in this life are really not my own. That as a Christian, I've been bought with a price. And so I lay down everything before God and say, Lord, this is your offering. My whole life uh, is given to you. And she gave God her very best. How do we give God our very best time, our very best talent, our very best treasure? What are the things that God has blessed us with that we hold so tightly to? And so, try to keep so much control over that we would forget that this is a blessing from God. And as I freely uh, receive from God, I'm going to freely give it back to Him. She began to, she'd come that day, I can't even imagine, you can't even imagine. You would have thought she would have come that day with so much sadness, so much sadness to just... Man, when you just come to that place, you leave your three-year-old there, you would just go away weeping. I mean, how many, I understand, you, you would go away just sobbing. They'd have to pull you, you know, back home. She comes away singing. Think about this. The next chapter is, 1 Samuel chapter 2 is called the Song of Hannah. She realized something, that every sacrifice you give up for the Lord is spiritual. And instead of leaving in sadness, Hannah left with singing. In fact, it wasn't just singing of herself. This was a prophetic song. It was a song that the Holy Spirit came through her body, her mind, her heart, and began to overflow. Hannah had a Holy Spirit baptism experience, if you will, that day. As she gave God her very best, completely surrendered to the purpose of God, she says, Lord, you gave me this purpose. You gave me this power. You gave me this place, this worth, this identity, this position. And Lord, I give it right back to you. The Bible says when we get to heaven, we're going to lay down our crowns before the King of Kings. That we give God our very best because He's the one that determines how we should use the purpose He's given us, right? He's the author of our purpose, so we give our purpose back to Him. So Hannah, that day... God gave her a purpose, and she laid that purpose right back at the feet of God. And what happened? The Holy Spirit came over her, and she began to sing in the Holy Spirit. Amen. As you begin to give your life back to God, God saves your soul. What did He do? He just gave you your life back. The Bible says you were on the road to hell, weaving and gnashing of teeth. You would be cast in place in the outer darkness. There would be no hope for you. You'd be gone. That your purpose would be done and over. God Bought you back from sin and death. He gives you purpose again in the body of Jesus Christ. So what are you supposed to do, church? Do you keep your Christian life all for yourself and just live for yourself for the rest of your life? No, you lay yourself down again. Are you hearing me today? Your life, your purpose is to lay it down again and lay it down again. and lay it down. God saved you not so you could live a good American dream. 
God did not save you to live the American dream. He saved you to live and seek his kingdom first. He saves you to be something in the body of Christ. He saves you to have the identity of Jesus Christ in your life. And when he saves you at this altar, I, I wish sometimes we could have two altar calls right back in a row. That we could have, here's a salvation. Now wait, don't leave this place. Because you can't leave this place thinking you own your life anymore. You've got to come back down here, lay it all down again. Because he didn't save you so you could keep saving yourself. He saves you to live for his purpose. And Hannah did just that. And as she laid her life down again, she laid her life down the first time by giving it all to God and asking for something in prayer. And she comes again, and she lays her purpose down again. And God fills her with the Holy Spirit. And you know what she says in that song? I encourage you. We're going to read the whole thing today. But in that song, she began to prophesy about how God makes the weak strong. And he makes the hungry full. And he makes the barren fertile, and he makes the dead alive. He makes the sick well, the poor rich. He makes the humble exalted. And then she switched it again. He knows that he makes the full hungry and the fertile barren. He makes the alive dead. That God does all things. And she basically would sum it all up to basically say that if you are something without God, you'll be nothing. But if you are nothing, he will make you into something. Warren Wisby said it this way. She said, he said, she put God first. She believed in prayer. She kept her vows. And then she gave God all the glory. And because she kept her vow, the priest again prayed for her. And she'd have three more sons and two more daughters because she gave God her very best. She didn't keep her purpose for herself. Amen? Do you hear me this morning? I pray the Holy Spirit give you awakening into your heart. Give God your purpose. Your very best. D.L. Moody said it this way. He says, The world has yet to see what God could do through a man who could fully be consecrated to him. The Bible promises us a hundred times as more in the age to come for those who lay down house and family and everything else that if we give God our very best, give God our purpose, he will fill us with the Holy Spirit. We'll have a life that pursues his mission by his power and presence and that he is sure to give you a song. The very beginning of this message Hannah was sad, and she was laying it all down before God, and she leaves this place singing a song by the Holy Spirit. Amen? Would you bow your heads with me this morning? Worship team, would you come? Whatever you do, in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, and give thanks to Him through the Father. Today, we need to be burdened in prayer, passionately pursuing God's purpose with no apology, we need to believe the priests and joyfully worship God because Jesus is interceding for us as we're faithful to pursue Him. And then we need to give our best back to God. Laying down our life, living sacrifice, and being filled again and again by His Spirit. Your life, God gave you back your life, but He didn't give it back so you could live it for yourself. He gave back your life so you could live out His purposes by the power of His Holy Spirit. This story for me is really all about pursuing the power and the presence of God and giving my purpose over and over again to God. I want the Holy Spirit to be born again, birthed in me. I want to labor in prayer, passionately pursuing, like the woman with the issue of blood, pushing past all the religiosity, pushing past all the things that people said we can or cannot do. That's just not how church is done. That's just not, that's a little too radical. That's a little too much. That's a little too, too out there. 
and say, God, I don't care what the world says. I don't care what man says. I don't care what I look like. All I know is I need a touch from you. All I know, God, is I need your purpose revealed in my life. You just ask the Lord right where you are. Let's just begin to pray, church. Let's just begin to talk to Jesus today. Let's just begin to ask him, Lord, to fill us again and again. Maybe you're empty today. Maybe you're going through dry and weary land today. Maybe there's things that God wants to do in your life. And you just say, God, I'm hungry. I'm hungry. I don't care what people think anymore, Lord. I'm just hungry. God, I'm tired of the fake religion. I'm tired of the going through the motions. God, I'm, I'm desperate for a move. And maybe you don't even know how to get to the desperate part. And you're just trying to just, you know there's more out there, but you don't know how to get it. And you just say, God, I'm surrendering trying to receive it through religion. I'm surrendering, trying to receive it through just simple Christianity. I'm just going to get on my face and I'm going to pursue you. This week, God, I'm just going to begin to pursue you. Lord, in my prayer life, I'm just going to begin to pursue you with a passion, oh God. I'm, I'm tired of nominal Christianity. I'm tired of not feeling joyful. I'm tired of not feeling peace. I'm, not, I'm tired of, Lord, not feeling the fire of the Holy Spirit burning in me like I know it should. God, I'm tired of just going through life, being a good person. I want the power and the presence of Almighty God burning within my soul. I want my purpose to be lived. I want to go out with a bang in this world. I want to be a fire, uh, uh, on fire for Jesus Christ. I need the purpose of God by the Holy Spirit.